You are listening to the Passion City Church Podcast. To learn more about Passion City Church, including our gathering times in Atlanta and Washington, D.C., visit us online at passioncitychurch.com. Today's talk comes from Pastor Louis Giglio, and it's a continuation of a series entitled Chain Breaker. So I'm going to just talk about the past in four tents, if you will, and a lot of us can visit each one of these tents But just talking about the past is a big thing because all of us have different experiences in life. But all of us have come through, I think, at least four areas of life. And the first thing that's in our past that's holding on to us tonight is the failure in our own lives that is in our past. Can I get an amen from anybody on that? Okay, a few people understand that one. A few people signed up for that one. Just a few people in that tent with me. We made a decision and we regret it. I'm not talking about like a small decision. We made some stumbling steps, and then maybe we just absolutely collapsed. We made things that we did things, said things, whatever that we regret that to this day still have a mark on our life. They, they were in the past, but the, sh- the shame is in the present. They, they were in the past, but the guilt is right here with us right now. And it's still got a hold on us. We've Try to push it away. We prayed a couple of prayers about it. We, we said, God, I, I think this time I'm going to move through it. But somehow the weight of it is still in the story. Yeah. Another one of the tents that, that we, we gather in when we think about the past is that tent of disappointment. Yeah. It's that place in life where something or someone let us down. Somebody we trusted and were counting on walked out the door. A family that we were depending on for our very livelihood cracked up and someone made a decision to say, hey, I'm going to kind of look out for me and not look out for you. And we are living with a sense of disappointment that they could make that kind of a decision. Maybe it's a relationship that evaporated or something that you'd invested in or were banking on and it just all dissolved somehow. Maybe it was, if, we, if we're talking real talk tonight, a moment where you cried out to God and seemingly all those prayers went unanswered. And on earth, it did not resolve. There, you do still to this day cannot make sense of it. Sitting in this gathering tonight, you still don't know what to do if somebody were to ask you, and, and where was God in the middle of all of that? And you're like, you know what? Honest answer, I'm not sure I know where God was in the middle of all that. I know all the right answers. I'm just talking real talk, if that's okay, at the five o'clock gathering tonight. And that moment of disappointment has got a hold on a lot of us. And it's keeping us from living fearless, for sure, and keeping us from living free. It's keeping us from believing that God has a future for us. I think another tent where we can gather is that place of wounds where when we're thinking back through our life, there was a moment in time where someone said something or did something to us that left a mark on our life, that injured us mentally, physically, or emotionally. There was a wound that came into our life. And again, 
real talk. We're not going to just try to paste a bumper sticker on that tonight and say, oh, let's just praise God and shout hallelujah and pretend like that didn't happen. Because for you, it wasn't something back there. It's something right here and right now. And the enemy has tried to define you by it, not to define the person who hurt you by it, but to define you by it. It's amazing. We live with a sense of responsibility. I might have done something. Maybe somehow I was the one who was at fault. Maybe maybe in my life something was all disjointed that got me into that place in the first place. And it just becomes a vicious cycle that leads us down into nowhere. And here's Jesus tonight saying, look, I'm telling you, I know everybody has a past, but what I would like to talk about is the future. And I know the plans I have for you. And ultimately, they are for good and not for evil. I want to prosper you and not harm you. And I want to give you a hope and give you a future. And I want to show you how we can match that up with a real world scenario where stuff doesn't go right every time. And a lot of things go horribly wrong. And a lot of people are living with a wounded past. And it's keeping them from from flying with Jesus into the future he has. So then I think the last place where we gather around the last tent, if you will, is a tent of loss. And, and I just, I just want to open up for just a moment. I know we don't need much time to really get into the honest place together, but come on, this message isn't going to work if we don't talk about what's real in our lives. And for a lot of us, there's loss in our past. Stuff you don't get back. People that are gone. Things that are gone, dreams that are gone, innocence that's gone. You don't get it back. You don't get to go back and rewind and get a do-over in that moment. There are things in our lives that have been lost. So if there is loss and if there are wounds and if there is disappointment and if there are our own failures in the past, then how can we walk free? And I just believe where we started last week, this is the overarching hope of our story tonight. God has a freedom plan for you. He has been working through history to announce and to bring you into his freedom plan for your life. He wants to bring you home to him. He wants to give you peace with him. And he wants to give back to you everything the enemy has stolen from your life. And this is God's plan ultimately for every single one of us. And God isn't hung up by the dilemmas of our past. I love in John 4, we're going to look at John 4, Revelation 5 tonight. In John 4, there's a story of Jesus coming to this village in Samaria called Sychar. And when he comes to Sychar, he meets this woman at the well. If you've been around church, you know the story. You've heard it a hundred times. If you've not been around church, here's the cultural backdrop. The Jewish people, Jesus, didn't really like the Samaritan people and vice versa. There was a cultural and a racial clash between Jews and Samaritans. So it was a little bit odd that Jesus had to travel through Samaria. Most Jews wouldn't be comfortable in Samaria, and most Samaritans wouldn't be that thrilled to have some Jews coming through Samaria. But Jesus trumps all of that because he loves everybody equally. He's at home everywhere he is in the world. He's got a freedom plan for everybody on planet Earth. He's come to set all the captives free, and he sees a future for everybody. So he doesn't mind showing up, by the way, in any part of town. (laughs) 
And here he comes to Sychar. He stops at a well. His followers say, we're going into town. And so there he is alone, which is a little bit interesting in the dynamic of this story. There's a woman there who is a Samaritan, and he engages her in a conversation. A couple of cultural no-nos happening all at the same time, but Jesus figures he can forgive himself if he trespasses anything, and so he's just going to go with it because he's got a plan. He sees this woman, and he's got a plan. And he says to her, um, well, you can look at the story with me. So when it comes down to verse um, 7, when a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? And she says to him, because she's kind of, you know, worried about what's happening here, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? In other words, we shouldn't even be talking together. And he uses that as an opportunity to begin a life-changing dialogue. He says, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. And she is very smart and she says, sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as did also his sons and his flocks and his herds, which makes me think, awesome, we're drinking water now that the flocks and the herds have drank. So that's cool as well. And he answered her and he said, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Okay, you, you want to hear something that's a promise on the table. That is a promise on the table. Wow. I can give you something that will trump every thirst in your life. I can give you something that is so satisfactory to the deepest core of who you are as a human being that you will be good with what I give you even if you have nothing else. Wow. And she's like, okay. Good. I'm down. Let's do it. Her words. Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw the water. He said, great, I'm going to do that. But before I do that, go call your husband and come back. She said, I have no husband. He said, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, You've had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have said is quite true. Hello. Can you imagine? Dude shouldn't be talking to me, and I shouldn't be talking to him. But now he's offering me like one last trip to the well. I'm going to take him up on that. Hello. You know about all of them. And you know about Owen. Wow. <laughs> who, who is this guy? Now, if you're dating Owen and he's not in God's plan for your life, that came out of nowhere, pre-planned. I would start taking notes right about now and ask your neighbor to pray for you because you're going to make a decision tonight and Owen is going to go to sleep sad. <laughs> a 
Can I get a witness? No, I mean, I'm for real. I don't know. It just is that. Are you here? If you're here, let us know. Let someone know. Let a door holder know. She does what I would do in that moment. She started scrambling. Jesus looks right through her, and she starts scrambling, just like you and me. Diversion. Sir, I can see that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshiped in this mountain. And I have a big question I'd like to ask you, by the way, that's not have anything to do with Owen or anything else in my life. So let's shift over to that for a moment. And she asked a question about the place of worship. He says, believe me, woman, the time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know, and we worship what we know, for salvation comes from the Jews. Yeah, a time is coming, and we're in that time tonight. It has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship him in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah is coming. You talk about this thing coming. I, 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 I'm leaning in with, with you on that. I believe Messiah is coming. So maybe, maybe you wouldn't have thought that based on kind of my background, but I'm with you. I do believe Messiah is coming. And I, I think when he comes, he's going to explain everything to us. Kind of like if we had five husbands and we're living with Owen, he would explain all that to, oh, wow. And she's now slowing down and looking at him, and he says, I who speak to you am he. He just went, hi. And we know from the story, we're going to see it in a moment, her life changed at that well permanently, radically, gloriously, her life changed at that well. A woman with five strikes and on her way to number six got free from her past. And she is revered as a martyr, this woman, in the early church of Jesus Christ because of the influence that she had in her life for Jesus Christ. How did she do it? And how do we do it? Well, A, it's the way we prayed. And what's what we talked about last week. This one comes out by prayer and by fasting. You lean into who God is. You lean in prayer into who God says you are in him. And you lean in towards God to believe what God says is true about your life. You fast. So it, in places and times, we back up from the voice of the world. We back up from what the world says it's going to be like. We back up from what the world says is true about who we are. And we back up from what the world is telling us we are going to be able to do in our lives. So this is how it happens. No magic bullet. No secret seminar. Uh, we, we don't have a little pamphlet that you didn't get yet. And if you can just get that one, you're going to get away from all the guilt and the shame and the hurt and the wounds and the disappointment and the loss of the past. No, this comes from leaning towards God and leaning away from the voice of this world. But there are 
some other ways that I think we can get some handles around it today. And the first one is this. If we're going to get free from our past, we have to face up to and embrace our past. And if that sounds counterintuitive, I get it. Because you would think the message tonight would be, we need to forget about our past. No, we don't need to forget about our past because you've already tried to do that your entire life to this moment, and that hasn't worked yet. And that's not because you are defective at forgetting about your past. It's because you can't forget about your past because it is your past. It's a part of your life and a part of my life. And God isn't rolling into our story tonight going, okay, we're just going to sort of like erase chapter two. And just pretend like that one never happened. If we're going to get free from the past, we have to embrace the past and we have to face the past. We have to understand this is a part of my story. It's always going to be a part of my story. That doesn't mean you have to like it. Of course, that's not what we're saying. And it doesn't mean that you really have to accept the way everything went down. But you do have to embrace the fact that it is your story. And as long as you live on earth, and this is going to be a little curveball, and as long as you live in heaven, it's always going to be a part of your story. You're like, I don't want it to be a part of my story. I'm ignoring that part of my story. I stuffed that part of my story so far down in a hole, I will never see it again, except for the times that I say every day, I've stuffed it down in a hole, and I'll never see it again. And here's what happens to us. We try so hard to get away from the past that what we're doing is entangling ourselves in a cycle of the past. We try so hard to get away from the guilt and shame. I mean, somebody please let me know, I'm not on an island here, that we actually go back and do the same thing we did before that we feel the guilt and the shame about, that we're talking about how we're going to get away from that. And so how do you get free? It's not by saying it didn't happen. It's not by saying, I don't want to deal with it. It's not by saying, I'm going to tune that out or zone that out or numb myself to that. It won't work. The only way to get free from the past is to stare right at it and to own it, not responsibility for it, unless it's your failure that's in the past and you got to own that. But the disappointment, the loss, the wounds, you just got to say, Hey, that's me. That's my story. I don't love that it's my story. I don't like that it's my story, but it is my story. And once this happens, just stay with me tonight. It's going to set us up to move on in a whole different mindset from our past. But as long as we're afraid of it and afraid to talk about it or look at it, then it's going to keep pulling us backwards where God is calling us forward. Jesus could have said to the woman, um, the one who's talking to you right now, I am he. He could have said that earlier. I can give you living water. She could have said, sir, I want this water. He could have said, okay, I'm Messiah. I'm the one who you've heard about. I'm the fulfillment of all God's purpose and plans. I'm the one who is able to save. I'm the one who can change lives. And I want to do that for you today. Now, let's pray together. And I want you to put your faith in Jesus. Um, Put your faith in me. And I want you to trust me. And I'm going to lead you to me. Because that's how you lead people to Jesus when you're Jesus. I want to lead you to me. And I'm going to change your life. And we're going to do it right here and right now, and it's going to happen right here. Why did he say to her, I want to do that? But first, I'd love for you to go get your husband and come back, and then I'm going to change your life. Why did he do that? Because he knew she wasn't going forward 
until she went backwards. He knew that in her freedom story, there had to be an embracing of her past. And man, I have so much compassion for this woman. I, I, I cannot imagine, honestly, and I don't think any of us can, what she went through being married to five different guys. The toll that was taken on her mentally, emotionally, physically, the toll that was taken on this woman. And God wanted to bring her into the future, but he wasn't ignoring her past. And you know what the big takeaway for me today is in that? God knows everything about your past, but he still has a future for you. He knows it all, but he still has a future for you. When I was studying this week, I had this big revelation. <laughs> this is going to knock you for a loop, so get ready, okay? Put a seatbelt or a harness on because this one's going to blow your mind. I had this revelation that our scripture, our word of God, is divided into two sections. How many of you knew that? Did y'all already know that? Who knew that already? Who knew the scripture was divided into two sections? Anybody know that already? Show of hands. Okay, you didn't know that already. Okay, well, this is going to be revelation for everyone. I thought maybe more people would have been ahead of me on that. The first section in the Bible is called the... Just couldn't get my hand up, Louie, but I knew all along where you were going. But, you know, it's been a long day, and I figure you're going to ask a couple more times, and I'm saving my energy for the right one. The first section is called the Old Testament. You turn a page at the end of Malachi, and the first word starts the New Testament. So what we hold in our hands is a meta-narrative, if you will, for the work that God does in our lives. Because God has given us living truth, and the living truth is about moving from the old to the new. He's trying to say to us, the plans I have for your life are not back there. The plans I have for your life are out there. What I'm hoping for in your life is not somewhere back there, but it's to move you on with me. Now, this honestly was old covenant, new covenant. This was given uh, by Miletus of Sardis in the second century. That's where Old Covenant, New Covenant came in for the very first time into the words of Scripture. So that wasn't God-breathed and Holy Spirit-inspired Old Testament and New Testament. It just was a way of understanding the work and the story of God. In the old days, the, the priest would sacrifice day after day after day. In this New Covenant, one man, perfect sacrifice for all time, for all sin, never be a sacrifice again. All the guilt, all the shame of all the people, of all the ages is now is finished and done. Old way to approach God, day after day, you got to keep the ritual going. New way to approach God, it's already been done for us. You just walk in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Old way, new way, old covenant, new covenant. And then Jerome comes along um, a, a few centuries later, and he, he changes the word slightly in the Latin to 
Old Covenant to Old Testament and New Covenant to New Testament. Our story is 2 Corinthians 5. If any man or woman is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. God is about moving us forward, but he always recognizes what was before he helps us understand what is. He always wants us to get a clue into what was so that we can really appreciate what is and what is to come. And if you're living in the old, then you're, you're missing out on the promise that God has put in your hands. But the starting point tonight is to face and embrace the past. The second thing I think that's helpful for me is to constantly consider the cross of Christ. If you want to get free from the past, you, you must, you, you must come to terms with the cross of Christ. You're like, oh, I, I believe in it. I actually have one on a necklace. I have embroidered one in my house. I, I, I get the cross. I believe it. I've accepted Jesus. No, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about understanding its power. I'm talking about meditating on it. I'm talking about a deep dive. I'm talking about not taking my eyes off of it. I'm talking about soaking in it and letting it soak in me. I'm talking about coming to fully grasp as much as possible on this earth all of what was won on that cross. And seeing your past on the cross. Do I believe in getting help from people to help you navigate your past? I do. Do I believe that God could use the medical community to help us with things that we've experienced in life? I do. But I don't think any of us are ultimately going to get fully free unless we constantly consider the cross of Christ and understand that our past is on that cross. You say, what do you mean by that? I mean, all the shame that's holding you back right now is on that cross. All the guilt that's got a grip on you is on that cross. That the knife that got stuck in your back and has got you stuck in life is on that cross. It's all on the cross, the anguish that we've experienced, the sense of abandon, the sense of separation, the pain, the agony, the abuse, the death, all of it is on that cross. Hello, everything that I've done is on the cross, amen? But everything that's been done to me is on the cross also, because that's somebody else's sin, and it's also been paid for on the cross. It's all there. And the son of God that's hanging there is hanging there, abused, beaten, forsaken, sold out, betrayed, crucified, cursed, and dead. So when we say, I've got a tent of disappointment or a tent of loss or a tent of wounds or a tent of failure, guilt, and shame, Jesus is like, tell me about it. Can you imagine all of that falling on me on the cross? And when I see that on that cross is a finished work, it catapults me out of the past, not forgetting about it. It just catapults me out of the past into something glorious, and it lifts my view up from myself up to something triumphant that is right in front of every single one of us tonight to get free from our past. We have to take a moment right now 
and go into our future. And we can do that because of Revelation 5. Thank you, John, for going up into heaven on the Lord's day in the spirit and taking good notes. We love you. You're like, I don't read Revelation a lot. It's full of weird things. Yep, it is. That's because heaven is hard to explain because it's not going like going to Dublin, Georgia. It's not like driving down the freeway and going, oh, what a beautiful sunset. No eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor has it entered into the minds of man what the Lord has in store for those he loves. We don't know what it's like. So if you think, well, there's an angel on a pillow, you need to jettison that idea pretty quick because heaven is a mind-boggling experience. And John A is flat on his face like a dead man because he saw the glorious risen Jesus. So don't get ready for a high five and a bro hug. Fist bump, Jesus. I've been waiting for this moment. No, it's going to be face down. I had no clue. I had no clue who I was dealing with. Can't, can't put my eyes on you. Even in heaven, can't put my eyes on you. And down on the ground, the angel says, hey, can you take good notes of everything that you see and hear up here and send it back to the, to the people because they need to get free from some things. And to get free from the past, we have to jump into the future, and thankfully, we can do that. In chapter 4, we see the throne of God. In chapter 5, we see a dilemma. In the right hand of the one sitting on the throne is a scroll written front and back, sealed with seven seals, but no one can take it, and no one can break it, and no one can open it, and that's a problem because it's the unfolding of the end of the ages. It's the climax of God's redemptive salvation plan, and it's the way he's going to banish Satan into hell forever and lift us up into a place with no more tears, no more death, no more sorrow, no more sickness, no more pain. And it's in this scroll, but nobody can open it. And everyone is weeping because there's a story, but nobody can open the story. There's a victory coming, but nobody can unlock the victory. And there's a pause in heaven. And then someone steps forward. And we see that happen in verse 6. And then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain. You catching the past tense terminology there. Standing in the center of the throne, encircling the four living creatures and the elders, And drop down to verse 7. He came, this lamb, and he took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. And we know this because it says up in verse 5. One of the elders said to me, to me, John, do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. And he is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. And so now he emerges. When he does, the angels bow down, the elders fall down, the living creatures fall down, and they sang a new song, verse 9. Hello, this is what's happening in heaven right now. They sang, you are 
worthy to take the scroll, to open its seals, because you were slain. And with your blood, you purchased men for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priest to serve our God. Hello, anybody in this company right now? Is he talking about you in this verse right now? Were you bought with his blood? Did he purchase you by his sacrifice? Were you one of those now who's been made a priest of God? Hello. Here's what's going to be true of you. They will reign on the earth. So we're not talking about a hypothetical anymore that God can take the past and catapult us out of a past into a glorious future. We're talking about a real person right now. His name is Jesus Christ. He's standing in the center of the throne. When he takes the scroll and breaks the seals, everybody falls down and a brand new song emerges in heaven. Worthy is the lamb who was slain. Now, that's not new news, because when he reached out to take the scroll, you could see the nail scars in his wrists. You think, man, can we just not, like, get over that part? Because we're in heaven now, right? Streets of gold, glassy sea, angel chorus, we're all redeemed, we're all alive, we're all free. Can we just, like, okay, why do we need to keep going back to the blood and back to the slain and back to the sacrifice because it's the past of Jesus that catapults us into the present that Jesus has for us. And even in heaven, we celebrate the wounds of Jesus' past as the way that he's become worthy to open up the culmination of God's salvation plan into the future. He didn't get worthy just because he was a part of the Trinity. He didn't get worthy just because he'd come down from heaven. He was worthy. Worthy is the lamb who was slain because you purchased men with your blood. That's how you get to take the scroll and to break the seal. It was all the abuse and the wounds and the abandonment and the separation and the darkness and the anguish of that moment on the cross that delivered you up out of the grave and brought all of us out of the grave. It's the fact that you overcame the past that lets me know that I'm going to be able in you to overcome the future. And I love that how our story in heaven is not going to be a story of, oh, we're in heaven now, new story starting. No, we're going to be talking to each other in heaven. What'd you overcome? I'm telling you, man, when I met Jesus, <laughs> let me tell you about all the things he overcame in my life. That's incredible. I'll tell you what he overcame in my life. We overcame cancer diagnosis. We overcame losing two people that we loved. We overcame a tragic accident. We overcome getting abandoned. We overcame abuse in our family. We overcame an addiction lifestyle in our family. We overcame so much. God brought us through it all. And here we are. And this doesn't happen just by us rallying around and trying to hype it up tonight, it happens when we lock our gaze on the cross of Jesus Christ and say, my past is on that cross, and that cross canceled out all the power of the darkness, and the message over it and over me is, it is finished. Everything in the past and everything it is telling me about the future is finished now, and I am free to receive from Jesus what he has for me and what he is speaking over my life beginning right now.
I think the third thing that helps us is that we just walk with a God. We remember today that we walk with a God who every single day is writing a new chapter of our story. That scripture says his mercies are new every single day. You know the best thing about the past? It is past. You made it. You made it through more than you ever thought you could make it through. And you made it all the way to here. And by the grace of God, we are all in the house of God tonight. Through the abuse and the wounds and the disappointment and the loss and the failures, they're all in the past. That means you made it. And you made it because every day God turns the page. And every day his mercy comes. And every day he takes up his pen to write the story of your life. And we've got to remember that we're we're not walking with a God who wants to take us back to five Busted marriages. We're walking with a God who wants to give us living water so that we won't thirst anymore. He knows about all the busted marriages and he knows about Owen, but he's still saying to us, I've got life for you and I have freedom for you and I got a purpose for you and I have a plan for you. And it's just remembering that today God turns the page. Now, can we just say honestly today, on some of the pages he's going to write in the future, death's going to be on some of those pages. Loss is going to be on some of those pages. Pain is going to be on some of those pages. Disappointment from an earthly point of view is going to be on some of those pages because we're living on a broken earth. But every single day, every single morning, every single evening, he turns again with new mercy, 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 with new mercy. He's still got the pen of your story in his hand. And lastly, I'll just say, I think that a helpful thing in moving away from the chain of the past is to use our past as fuel to defeat the enemy works in our life and in the lives of others. You're like, no, I put that past in a closet. That door's been closed for a long, long time. I shoved that thing down an elevator hole, 50 floors down. It ain't coming back again. Except for each time every day, I remind myself that I put it in an elevator hole and put it down 50 floors and it's not coming back again. Other than that, it doesn't ever come back again. Except when I remember that I put it way down in an elevator hole and it's not coming back again. Here's the thing about God. God is a redeemer. And he takes what the enemy uses against us and he uses it against the enemy. But you'll only do that if you'll let him. And I believe you'll only truly get free if you're willing to to use your past and not hide your past. Well, I don't want anybody to know about that. That was way back when, when I was in college and I had a different friend group then. It was before I got married and my wife doesn't even know, my husband doesn't even know, my coworker certainly would never know that. And that's just another chapter of life. And I moved on from that and kind of, you know, put it in the past. And I'm, I'm now a respected businessman or respected business owner, or respected businesswoman, or I'm a respected member of my community. And, you know, we don't need to bring all that up again. And there's some things that maybe honestly don't need to fully be disclosed to everybody on planet Earth. We would all understand that wisdom. 
But there's a lot that you've come through that God wants to use. And it's in you using it that you're actually going to continue to experience the freedom from it. Because you're going to be on top of it now, and it's not going to be on top of you. You're going to be taking the blows and using them to kick the hell out of hell. Instead of the enemy using the blows to keep pushing you down into despair. And it's that willingness to say, God, take it and use it. I love how John 4 ended. After the disciples come back, there's some conversation, and then it drops down to the very last of the chapter, and it says in verse 39, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in Jesus because of the woman's testimony. Okay, what was their testimony? He told me everything I ever did. So we have um, Amanda now. She'd like to come. She's going to share her testimony. Amanda, come. Everybody, welcome, Amanda. Yay. Um, He told me everything I ever did. Thank you. It's good to be with you all. You're like, what kind of testimony is that? It's the testimony of a woman who obviously got transformed because many of the people in the town believed in Jesus because of her. It's a testimony of a woman who didn't have to tell everybody about her past because everybody in the town already knew about her past. It's a testimony of a woman who said, this man knew it all. But instead of judging me and condemning me for the past, he called me into the future. This man knew everything I'd done. Some of you, what's keeping you from coming to Jesus is you're afraid what's going to happen when he finds out about everything you've ever done. (laughs) And it was going to be amazing as soon as you come towards Jesus and he says, hey, before before we finish all this, and I I am going to forgive you and I am going to cover you and I am going to fill you and I am going to give you life and I am going to come and live inside of you and I am going to change your life and I am going to make you a daughter of God. I am going to bring you to brand new spiritual life right now. But before we do that, can we just talk for a minute about this big giant chain that's been on your life called the past? I want to talk about Eddie for a minute. Because you've been stuck there for, what, seven years now. And I want you to know something. Eddie is in the past. And I'm calling you into the future. So I know about Eddie. I need you to know that. Good? That's cool, don't worry. I've always known. And I loved you anyway. I kicked down a wall for you anyway. I knocked down doors for you anyway. I climbed a mountain for you anyway. I tore down every lie for you anyway. I knew it all. That's why I went to the cross for you. I'm inviting you out of the past and into the future. He told me everything I'd ever done. And then he told me he had a future for me, that he was the Christ of God. 
And when this happens to us, something inside clicks and we're like, wait a minute. I don't like the past. I'm not going to accept it really that that's just the way it had to be. But I'm going to take it and let God use it to bring freedom to somebody else who's in the same hell that I was in. I, I remember the day that God called me to preach like it was today. I don't remember on that day saying, I'd like to sign up, by the way, if I get any vote in like how this works long term, being called to be a preacher, communicator of truth, whatever. I'd love it if maybe at some point in life I could become the poster boy for anxiety. That would be awesome. If that's just a slot that maybe I could get into, I'd like that. But 10 years ago, next month, I hit a wall of depression and anxiety that almost took me completely out. And by the grace of God, after a grueling few months, Jesus brought me out. And, and when he did, um, a handful of people would have known about that. Probably less than 200 people would have known about all of that. The 40 doctors that I'd seen, the handful of 50 people that were thinking about planning Passion City Church in that moment. Um, my family, Shelly's family. That's about who would have known, really. And God lifted me out. He's still lifting me out. And I could have just closed that door, and I think even maybe for a little season I did, and say, thank, thank God I've sort of come back to life, and I'm seeing again, and I know I'm not crazy, and I'm going to be able to live. And then I started realizing I've got an option here, I can just close that door and say, that never happened. <laughs> Let's don't talk about that. Or I could stand on a platform where people expect bulletproof and say, nobody's bulletproof. And depression's real. And it'll take you out. But it's not bigger than Jesus. And I've been able to say that to, I would say, probably several million people in the last 10 years. And I pray to God in some way by his spirit and work through Christ to serve and help somebody by taking what could have just pulled me back and kept pulling me back. And even now keeps trying to pull me back to say, no, I'm going to take that and use that as fuel to go after what the enemy's doing, not only in my life, but in a lot of people's lives. And I believe my past and being open with that, just like your past and you being open with your past is going to give you a platform and position because Jesus now is in the center of the throne. He is being adored and exalted. He's receiving all the praise from all the ages in this moment. But the thing that gave Jesus the position and gave him the prominence and gave him the power in that moment was the past that he had experienced. His past gave him the prominence. His past gave him the position. His past gave him the power in that moment. So don't you believe for a second tonight that your past is going to keep you 
from the position that God is dreaming about for your life or the prominence he wants to give you with your friends, the influence he wants to give you on planet Earth. Don't you think that for a second? It is actually your past that is going to give you the position and give you the prominence because you've got a story to tell. Yes, there was disappointment. And yes, there was real true loss. And yes, there were wounds. And yes, there was a lot of failure. But I've got a God who's overcome it all. His name's Jesus. He is a chain breaker. He was and he is, and he always will be the one that sets the captives free. He overcame, and I'm in him, and I am overcoming with him, and here's where I'm headed. I'm going to reign on the earth with my king. When people say the best is yet to come, don't you believe? For a minute, when somebody says, I can't stand all that Christian hype, that is a billion miles away from hype when somebody tells you the best is yet to come, because your future is... You are going to stand not in the center of that throne, but you've got a reservation at that throne. You've got a place at the table with your name on it. You've got a seat at the table with the king of kings. You have an invitation to the wedding feast of the lamb. You get to join with the four living creatures. You get to join with the angels, and you get to join with the elders who bow down. You get to sing the heaven song, and you get to stand in that place and say, worthy is the lamb who was slain to now receive all glory and all honor and all blessing and all power and all wisdom and all strength. From this time forth and forevermore, the future worship of Jesus was bought by the past pain that he endured. And we've come through that story with him. And that's where we're going come hell or high water in Christ that is where we are going and nothing can stop us if you are encouraged by today's talk and believe it would be uplifting to others then be sure to rate us and hit subscribe on iTunes Spotify or wherever you stream your podcast to experience other talks videos and live gatherings visit us online at passioncitychurch.com or download the Passion Movement app. And again, thanks for listening to the Passion City Church Podcast.